0: Good morning, and thank you for joining me for another Antinomian Audiobooks podcast. <clears throat> this morning, I will continue reading from Natural Perfection, Long Chenpa's Radical Dzogchen, translation and commentary by Keith Dowman. Excuse me, in the uh, previous episode, I had started the translator's introduction. So I'll continue where I left off. Errors and Answers. The great perfection does not entail an attitude of boundless optimism, although that is a possible spin-off. It It is not a perpetual intellectual perception of a silver lining in each and every experience, although that too is not precluded. It is not an altruistic ambition to save all beings and the environment through a positive and loving attitude, although that also may eventuate. Dzogchen provides a deconstructive view that allows automatic access to the spaciousness of the intrinsic, complete and perfect reality that is the nature of mind. This lurch from a reliance upon the rational mind to an existential understanding of reality occurs in the light of deep initiatory experience, which is known technically as an introduction to the nature of mind. The praxis of Dzogchen is not an intellectual exercise, despite the evidence of scholarly exegesis in which the intellect mimics and usurps the preeminence of pristine awareness. The intellect is redundant in the momentary insight into every experience of the flow of experience as compassionate emptiness and light. It is therefore an error to assume that one is, quote, not ready for Dzogchen because of a lack of study and intellectual preparation. Initiatory experience is present in this very moment, and nothing can be done to facilitate its advent. Any kind of preparation or for practice muddies the waters, in its assumption of a goal to be reached. Access to the clarity and the zing of reality, on the contrary, is more likely to be found in an innocent, pristine mind that has not been conditioned by the cultural and religious assumptions of a sophisticated tradition. Purity of karma, putative rebirth, degree of meditation concentration, facility in visualization, levels of attainment, and so on, are all issues pertinent to acceptance and success within a hierarchical cult wherein a particular ideal form of social and psychological behavior is a goal to be achieved. But To the formless experience of Dzogchen, such considerations have no relevance. Striving in any kind of preparatory endeavor is an exercise in shooting oneself in the foot, or at least running after a mirage. In fact, to reach the point of relaxation in the moment that provides intimation of Rigpa, non-action is the sole precept. This perspective in radical Dzogchen is exclusive to those who have no need or inclination to exchange their inbred cultural norms and mores for those belonging to a more exotic or quote spiritual tradition or to reject their cultural legacy and educational conditioning in an effort to change their psychological makeup. Recognition of our lived experience, just as it is, in its miraculous immediacy and beauty, without any yen for change, is the praxis of radical Dzogchen, and believe in personal development and improvement, progress toward a social ideal, moral evolution of the species, and so on is deviation from the pure pleasure of the unthought, timeless moment. It is an error of interpretation, however, to believe that Dzogchen requires rejection of religious devotions or ritual practice. The sacred and the profane have the same weight in the Dzogchen view, and the temple of church and the beer hall or gymnasium are equal. Insofar as the form or shape or color of experience in the moment is immaterial to its potential for transfiguration or recognition of the nature of mind, whatever physical, verbal, or mental habits prevail in the stream of one's life provide the stuff of Buddhahood. Evidently, Dzogchen precepts, such as those Lungchenpa discloses in the Treasury of Natural Perfection, are available primarily within the Vajrayana tradition of Tibetan Buddhism, and it is to be expected that the majority of Dzogchen yogis and yoginis will have assimilated an intellectual understanding of that tradition, if not a daily practice of meditation, yoga, and devotions. But no Buddhist conditioning, ritual worship, or lifestyle, nor even Christian or Jewish devotions, provides any more or less fertile ground for recognition of the nature of mind than the lifestyle of an agnostic professional, for example, or a self-indulgent hedonist. On the other hand, the recognition of the light of the mind, the emptiness and clarity of mind that signals Dzogchen initiation may loosen attachment to conventional forms and mundane obsessions and habits and galvanize any renunciate tendency. The here and now is the receptacle of the non-dual reality that is the matrix of mind, where Rigpa inevitably fires in the very moment of every experience. If this matrix of intrinsic awareness sounds like God to some people, then they are definitely on the right track. But the non-dual state of Rigpa is personified as Samantabhadra, a naked and blue-seated Buddha, whose name appears in the text as the supreme source and who is the principal interlocutor in one of the seminal and most oft-quoted tantras herein. It would be a mistake, however, to approach Samantabhadra as anything but a label for something that is quite beyond language and symbolism. If we look closely, it appears that this god has no kind of existence or definable attributes whatsoever, and can only be spoken of, if at all, in terms of Rigpa, luminosity, emptiness, and non-duality. For this reason Buddhists with a conformist predilection prefer to call it Buddha. Even this is unacceptable in the Dzogchen view, Buddha is primordial cognitive awakening that happens only in a moment of experience of the here and now, and therefore can never be distanced and objectified. It is an egregious mistake to understand Buddha or the nature of mind as something infinitely subtle yet indicative of a state that may be attested and attained. Assimilating samanta. Badra's transmission of I am nothing at all preempts the error of reification. To take Longchenpa's exposition of Dzogchen as mere philosophical speculation, it must be emphasized is a futile error, along with the corollary of mistaking prima facie theoretical understanding of the Dzogchen view for existential realization to the top end of recipients of the Dzogchen transmission merely by its assimilation and immediate dissolution of samsaric dichotomy is assured and whatever validity such a promise entails it indicates the nature of the transmission and the Dzogchen dialectic as a functional tool. Insofar as its language is self-referential, its letters, sounds, and meanings always pointing at their luminous, joyful essence, its dialectic relentlessly and consistently, referring back to the unstructured light of Rigpa, and insofar as language is inseparable from our experience, we are constantly thrust into the reality that the Chen exposition evokes. Its incessant self-reference, giving not an iota of validity to the perceptual and intellectual functions of our ordinary rational mind, dissolves all concrete points of reference and leaves us in the spaciousness of ineffable being. Its language establishes the recipient of the transmission in the timeless reality beyond linguistic conditioning that we call non-dual in a dynamic condition that we call non-action in a state of consciousness that we call rigpa with a feeling tone we call pure pleasure in an unmotivated space that is unconditional compassion. This self-referential language induces the non-referential state of natural perfection where causality has ceased to function. Thus, natural perfection implies the imminence of a non-verbal reality and Dzogchen is nothing at all. Far from being an objective philosophical description of the world at large, or a soteriological blueprint, this exposition is a magical psychotropic poem. More specifically, for the magic of the poem to function, it is crucial to understand the text to be what the Tantric tradition terms definitive, as opposed to provisional. There is no time lag between the momentary perception of the words of the poem and its consummation. We are not instructed to change our evil ways, to cultivate virtue and forsake vice, to do a hundred thousand prostrations, or to persevere in contrived meditations. On the contrary, the imperative voice is rarely used. And when infrequently it appears, we are told simply to relax, to let go, and let it all be. And even in such formulations, the advice is not actually prescriptive but descriptive of the moment, although grammatical forms may indicate otherwise. Any tendency to interpret the Dzogchen precept as a consummation to strive for is an indication of misunderstanding. The precept non-action, for example, if taken literally, may precipitate the undiscerning reader into a state of couch potato indolence rather than allowing the magic of the Dzogchen dialectic to dissolve all motivation, including the tendency to idleness, and thus permitting dynamic spontaneity to prevail. Likewise, the precept non-action should not be understood as cause to cease and desist in any discipline whatsoever, particularly on the progressive paths of spiritual aspiration, although the habit of the rational mind demanding the identification of a cause reliably efficient in producing an effect through time will be detected there. The Dzogchen transmission, taken as the cause of some future benefit, indicates a mind at work at the lower end of the spectrum of its recipients. Moreover, it is a dangerous error to interpret the precept non discrimination as license to indulge the peculiar personal weirdnesses that genetic and personal karma engender. In the moment, in the here and now, the originally pure mind of natural perfection makes no discrimination between right and wrong, good and bad, high and low, or between the poles of any dichotomy that social conditioning and intellectual idealism have inculcated and it gives no positive reaction to the good nor any denial of the bad. Acceptance of the totality of human potential may expand the horizons of our experience to infinity, but if the self-serving rational mind takes hold of the notion that all and everything is permitted and uses it as a principle to act upon through time, then the expectation that karma will perform its worst will not be disappointed." Karma may not exist in the timeless moment of non-dual awareness, but it is certainly lethal in the credulous rational mind in which a frame of moral conditioning is taken to be incontrovertible and in which moral causality is operative. As to the charge of antinomianism, a disdain for moral law, where the Atavistic maxim "Do what thou wilt" shall be the whole of the law, is elevated to sacred dogma. In Zogchen, evidently, it is a non-starter. In the mind of natural perfection, certainly moral discrimination and moral causality do not exist, yet what remains is non-dual bodhicitta, both the ground and the emanation of pure mind, which can only ever be pure vision and perfect conduct. What begins as pure mind exists and ends as pure mind. Here, bodhicitta, which in Dzogchen means the pure mind rigpa of non-dual perception, reaffirms its Mahayana definition of compassion. Here and now, compassion is all. It is true that in the progressive, left-handed yogini path of tantra yoga, antinomian principles may be employed to induce intimation of the nature of mind and as skillful means to eradicate intractable mental habits, but that is another story. In Chen taking the position of consequence, as Yogi Chen would have it, there is no fall from grace, and there never has been a fall, and in the realization of that reality where the golden age lies just beneath an insubstantial, fragile surface of dualistic belief, any moral dualism becomes the problem rather than the solution." Judeo-Christian dualism served and continues to serve the Roman Empire and its successors as a method of taming the barbarians, but it becomes morally and existentially oppressive when the natural perfection of being becomes gloriously evident as, for instance, in the 60s efflorescence of soteriological consciousness. The insecure mind that relies upon religious dogma and moral dualism will feel threatened by these ethical considerations and tightening up it may become unreceptive to Longchenpa's sublime poem. Everyone who partakes of a moment of awareness in the here and now, everyone without exception, is a candidate for the revelation of natural perfection because Dzogchen is all-inclusive by definition. But it is a mistake to believe that Dzogchen, open to all, is accessible to all. If it were so, then the samsaric world would have vanished long ago. Secret Tibetan texts, such as Longchenpa's are useful only to those people whose time has come. To most others, perhaps less so in Tibetan society than others, although the words are familiar, the choice and order of the words are incomprehensible. Those whose faith has been placed in a goal-oriented, progressive path will find their receptivity occluded by a rejective emotional response, induced by attachment to investment of time and energy in a dogmatic sadhana and devotion to a personal mentor." Some will be unable to approach due to socially conditioned blockage. For many in Tibetan society considered Dzogchen heterodox and hazardous, and in Western society the church's historical condemnation and persecution of non-dual mysticism has been unremitting and unforgiving. Others will be unable to accept a human guru as the mouthpiece of Samantabhadra. The majority will be so caught up with the concerns and affairs of this life, with conditional love and social acceptance, with profit and shopping, that they have no time for Dzogchen. Thus, the candidates for Dzogchen transmission are few and far between, and an aspect of Dzogchen's self-secrecy, its natural hermetic character, is disclosed. In pre-revolutionary Tibet, to this natural protection was added a veil of secrecy contrived by a self-protective priesthood, the custodians of the wish-fulfilling gem. In its transmission to the West, some teachers have forsaken the old conventions and in order to serve the spiritual thirst and fill the spiritual vacuum left there by a moribund religious establishment, take the risk of teaching Dzogchen openly. In Western society, the message message of Dzogchen may come as a relief particularly to those who feel that much of Vajrayana Buddhism is culturally alien, or that the cultishness of Lamaism is akin to animal farm, or that the great gains of the Protestant Reformation and the move toward non-dogmatic humanism seem to have been thrown away in a fascination for Oriental ritualism and dogma or that the distinction between Buddhism and Christianity rests on fashionable conceits. It is an error, however, to believe that Dzogchen can be taken ready-made from a book, see Canto Twenty Four. A cogent semantic or poetic statement of Dzogchen, any of Langchenpa's innumerable verses of precept, has the potency to induce an incipient realization of natural perfection, but lacking a contextualizing lineal tradition and a mentor and exemplar who can assist in short-circuiting rationalistic mental habits, it is likely to fast fade. It is the personal mentor speaking in the final stanzas of the text. So stay right here, you lucky people. Let go and be happy in the natural state. Let your complicated life and everyday confusion alone and out of quietude, doing nothing, watch the nature of mind. This piece of advice is from the bottom of my heart. Fully engage in contemplation, and understanding is born. Cherish non-attachment and delusion dissolves, and forming no agenda at all, reality dawns. Whatever occurs, whatever it may be, that itself is the key. And without stopping it or nourishing it, in an even flow, Freely resting, surrendering to ultimate contemplation, in naked, pristine purity, we reach consummation. I'll stop reading there uh, for today. There's a little bit more to the introduction. And then we'll begin with the reading of the actual translation of uh, Natural Perfection, Longchenpa's Radical Dzogchen. So it's called The Treasury of Natural Perfection. So this is the translation and commentary by Keith Dowman. So that's Keith Dowman's introduction. I just think he's such a brilliant writer. Um, I love the way he uses words and... um, I feel that this is the most important work I'm doing right now is helping to uh, make this material accessible and known. Uh, I studied with Keith Dowman on a handful of occasions and was introduced to the nature of mind by him but that doesn't i'm not trying to say i really understand Zogchen because i i am um, i'm definitely a student as well so i hope you're enjoying this reading and i encourage you to listen to it again and to stay tuned for the treasury of natural perfection an exposition of the inner meaning of Dzogchen instruction. So, namaste.